Hey, good morning. This is Pastor Faison um, from Livewater Church. It's good to have you with us today. Um, we're, we're, we're ministering from our residents because the icy conditions on the streets. And we don't want people slipping and sliding. Our, our music group and our, our media ministry, we don't want them slipping and sliding trying to get to the church. Okay? So anyhow, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you because you're a God and our Father. We thank you for hearing us as we pray. We celebrate you now, Lord, during this time, um, during this time of Black History Month and, and Valentine's Day. We celebrate you. And we are so grateful for the opportunity you've given us to come together, even through this platform. And we thank you. We ask that you bless us as we go forth in the word of God. And, and we ask you to bless the hearers of your word. Please touch our ears, teach us to listen, and touch our eyes that we might see Christ. We thank you so much for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are so grateful today. We're going to continue our study, our character study on John the Baptist. This is the fourth installment of the baptizer. It's entitled, Are You the One? And I'll be reading from... Uh, Matthew chapter 11, and a little bit from Mark chapter 6. Praise God. And it came to pass, verse 1, when Jesus finished commanding his disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Verse 2, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go tell John the things which you heard hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. We thank God for the reading that portion of the word. We have, see, John's in prison now. John, minister, we know John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, right? The prophet. He is actually the last of the Old Testament prophets. When you say, Pastor, that's not even in the Old Testament. I understand that, but it's still Old Testament because the New Testament, the New Covenant, it really doesn't start until the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 in particular, all right? So right now, when Jesus ministers and when John the Baptist ministers, they ministered under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. That's how they minister. And even though Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God and he brings the new covenant with him, amen? And so, so John's in prison. And, and what we understand is that he's not necessarily in prison because he called people to repentance. He's not necessarily in prison because he told folks to repent and the kingdom of God is at hand. John is in prison because he, he called out the king. The king, he called out the king. He told the king, you taking your brother's wife is not right. And she got upset, and she required that the king put him in prison. So John's in prison, right? He's in prison, and he asked the question. He says, are you the coming one? Are you the one, or do we look for another? He's saying, are you the one? Are you really Christ? 
are you really the son of God, right? Am I, am I, am I, is my preaching in vain, right? And what, what about the things my parents taught me, Zacharias and Elizabeth? What about the things they taught me? And what about Aunt Mary? I mean, was that really a virgin birth? He's, he's asking these questions, all right? And, and he says, um, he says, all, he said, what do I have? Is this all I have to look forward to? I'm expecting the kingdom and you're here and I don't see this stuff, you know? So it's possible he's having these kind of questions. And listen, saints, we may be questioning things too. Have you ever questioned the Lord? Sure you have. You know, when things haven't gone your way, when you prayed a certain prayer and when you had an expectation and that expectation is not met and you wonder about that scriptures that says, ask what you will and I'll fulfill it. And, you, you, and we sometimes we have a tendency to be a little doubtful, okay? And we wonder, we wonder. And John is wondering too. And he's also wondering, do you remember me? I imagine he's saying, do you remember me? I'm in this prison. And you're God, I understand, I must decrease, you must increase. I remember I said that myself, but do you remember me? So John has these questions and Jesus has an answer for him. And the answer that Jesus gives is not a rebuke or a correction or a chide or anything like that. It's so John could be encouraged. When he tells them, when he tells them, tell John what you see, tell John what's going on. Go back and testify to John. Go back and witness to him. Go back and encourage him and let him know the stuff that he that you see going on. It's obvious that I am the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Okay. And so when he, when he sends the disciples back to John, he wants John to be encouraged. He wants John to be strengthened. He wants John to understand that what you've done is not in vain, and all that you've done is important. And he wants John to, to have his faith confirmed, okay? Because indeed, that is the kingdom of heaven, all right? The thing that John preached, that he, that he um, encouraged people to do, and the repentance, and, and the warning, and the announcement of the Christ, all that came to pass. And John actually got a chance to see it. The prophets of old preached these things and prophesied these things, you know, it's been prophesied since, since the Lord told Adam and Eve in the garden that Christ was coming. You know, and the promises God made to Abraham and the promises he made to David and all the prophets, all the Psalms, all that stuff is coming to pass. And John is the one, John is actually the capstone of all that prophecy. He's the one that actually introduces Christ to the people. Everybody else prophesied about it, but they didn't see it. But John actually sees it. He actually introduces Christ to the people. All right? And so Jesus, I believe Jesus wants him to be encouraged. He, want, he wants to give him an emphatic yes, definitely. But he doesn't say it like that. He says, because he's a rabbi, and rabbis answer questions with questions and statements. Right? And so he says, tell John what you see. Okay? Tell John what you see, all right? And so I imagine those apostles, I mean, I imagine those two disciples <laughs> go back and they testify of the things Christ has done, amen? So after that, let me, let's read what Jesus says about John. 
Here's what he says. Well, let me read this to you first. Okay. When Jesus says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. He wants the people to hear that. And I don't know if this is saying that John may have been offended. He might have been in his feelings. He might have been hurt. He might have he had some doubt. But after the, his disciples go back and tell him the things they saw, he's not going to doubt anymore if he had any doubt. Verse 7, as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitude concerning John, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft garments are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Verse 11 says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus said, listen, of all the people you know, <laughs> of all the people you read about, of all the people born this way, he excluded himself, of course. There's nobody greater than John. So he's saying John is greater than Adam. He's greater than Abraham, greater than Moses, greater than Elijah. Greater, there's nobody greater than John the Baptist. Why is that? I believe it's because John is the one that introduces Christ to the world. Okay? He's the forerunner. He's the messenger. He paves the way. He makes Christ's way straight, and he and he's the one that's, that decreases so Christ can increase. Remember, the scriptures tell you that um, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. And Jesus, John humbled himself, and Jesus is exalted him before all the people. And no doubt, the people understood the greatness of John, too. Okay? And so, so Jesus said, he's the greatest. <laughs> he is the greatest. And I love that part because John has no miracles recorded. He didn't have a long ministry, right? I mean, there's, there's no fantastic events associated with his ministry like Elijah and Elisha, you know? And um, there's none of those things. But John had one message and he preached the same thing. He preached the message of repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, he's telling people Messiah is coming, and he's even here right now. And that's all he did, and he preached that thing. And Jesus calls him the greatest. Okay, look what it says here in verse 13. Of all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Okay, so John is the capstone. He's the, he's the completion of all those prophecies. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. Amen. But to what shall I liken this generation, Jesus says, 
It is like children sitting in the marketplace, calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say, he's a demon. The son of man, Jesus talking about himself, the son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. Amen. So that's Jesus talking about the difference. She said, John didn't eat and drink. He didn't come doing any of those things, right? Any of those natural things. He wasn't into wine and liquor and stuff like that. And he, he didn't do a whole lot physically. And he was called names. He said, I come, I eat with you, I drink with you, and you call me names too. He said, I said, that's the generation that we're in, right? They play the music and you don't wonder why you're not dancing to the music. Wonder why you're not mourning, why you're not lamenting when we lament. That's Jesus talking to these people, referring to John the Baptist and referring to himself. Amen. I need you to go with me. Now, let's talk about why John, while why John is in prison. Let's go to Mark chapter six. Gospel of Mark, the sixth chapter. Praise God. Now this is so interesting. We're gonna start around verse 17. Now we'll start around verse 14. I want you to check this out. Now King Herod heard of him, heard of Jesus, all right? For his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead. <laughs> Therefore, these powers are at work in him. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine him believing that somebody could rise from the dead? Now think about that, okay? Think about that. He said, John the Baptist risen from the dead. He had a lot of respect for John and probably admiration too. Others say it is Elijah. Okay, so some people think that Elijah could come back from the dead. The reason why I point this out, because when Jesus comes back from the dead, he gets doubts. Okay, and others say it is the prophet or like one of the prophets. But when Herod heard, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. Herod believed that a man could be raised from the dead, saints. But Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Heronius, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Because John said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Okay, so John, John um, he rebukes the king, or at least advises him that what you're doing is wrong. And the woman gets upset, and, and the king has to throw John in prison. So he's in prison, I said before, not necessarily because of the gospel, not necessarily because of the repentance that he preached or the kingdom of heaven. He's in prison because he was, he was willing to correct 
and tell the king that he was wrong. Prophets did this all the time. God would send a prophet to kings like David and tell him, this is what's going on and this is what you need to do. Remember, David was told after he took Bathsheba and, and all, all that he tried to do to cover it up, the man of God, Nathan, came to him and said, you are the one. You're the man. You did this. Okay? And so that's what prophets did. And that's what John did. Amen? All right. So, so look at this. So Herod is a, um, he has a fear and a reverence. He may have even admired John's son, okay? But when John told him he was wrong and his wife got upset, you know, he had to put him in prison. There's times when you do things, um, well, let's just put it this way. There was no protected speech in that day. <laughs> no First Amendment rights. You just can't say what you want to say without consequences. And the consequence when he spoke against the king, was that he had to go to jail. Today, you could speak against, if, well, if you're in America, you could speak against the president, you could speak against members of Congress, you could speak against senators, and you could speak against folks in authority, and, and you're protected by free speech. Of course, John did not have that. So let's move on. Okay, now, therefore, verse 19, Herodias held it against him and wanted him wanted to kill him but she could not for Herod feared John knowing that he was a just and holy man and he protected him so even though his wife wanted to get him killed wanted to kill him the king said ah we can't do that the king understood the king understood that he was a holy man he was a righteous man and he had fear he reverenced him okay I'm not saying he was scared of him but he had reverence for John. And so he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Even Herod would listen to the word that John was preaching. Okay? Verse 21, then the opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a feast for his nobles and high officers and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herod, Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced, and please Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, check this out, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, whatsoever you, whatsoever you ask me, I will give up to half of my kingdom. Now, wait a minute. This must be some kind of special dance, okay? Um, I imagine it was kind of sensuous. It really got him going. So the king is aroused and he's looking good in front of his company and he's boasting and he's telling this young woman, he said, what you, whatever you want, up to half the kingdom is yours, all right? He's, you know, he's saying this to his, his stepdaughter, okay? And so, and, and so you have to understand when you are excited, when you are aroused, when you even when you're happy and or when you or even when you're stressful and when you're emotional, it's not a good time to make decisions. It's not a good time to make declarations. Okay. Right? Because what you say will be used against you later. 
And so when he says it to her, she goes to her mom and says, what should I ask for? She could have asked for land. She could have asked for money. She could have asked for possessions. You know, she could have asked for, for a high position in the, in the office. But mom told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. Mom really had it in for John that this was her opportunity to get him. Ask for the head of John the Baptist. Verse 26, 26 said, the king was exceedingly sorrow, yet because of the oath, because he swore, and when the king makes an oath, the king has to do it no matter how crazy it is. And because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. He had witnesses of the oath and what he swore to her, there was witnesses there. If this was a private conversation, he might've been able to tell her, no, we're not doing that because he refused to do it for his wife. But since he made the oath and since he made it in front of people, he had to carry it out. This is not the first time we have a king making an oath that he regrets. It happens in, it happens in the book of Daniel a couple of times. It happens in Judges, you know, and, and it happens when kings make oaths, they have to keep their word. They can't come back and say, you know, this was a mistake. I should not have done that. You know, when leaders today make mistakes and make these declarations and, and say things like, uh, read my lips, no more taxes, and things like that, when leaders today, leaders today can come back and say, I was wrong, this was error, I should not have done that. You know, you could make an apology, you could repent, you could confess, you made a mistake, but the king in that day had to do it. He had to do the thing that he said he would do. Therefore, he sends an executioner to John and they take his head off right away and bring it back to that young girl, a young woman on a platter to satisfy her, her vengeful, hateful, evil mother. Okay? Look what it says, verse 27. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother and when his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. And thus ends the life and ministry of John the Baptist, the one Jesus called the greatest man born of woman. Now John was in, when John was in prison, maybe he, maybe he surmised that he might be executed. Or, or maybe he realized the king was protecting him. But now he's, his days are done, all right? His days are done and, and he has really decreased. And Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, it's increasing, all right? He's sending the apostles out with power to, to heal the sick and, 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 and raise the dead. And, and do these different things, right? He cast out devils. I don't know if they actually raise any dead, but they cast out devils. He sent them out to do that. And the ministry of Jesus is growing and growing and continues to grow. But it had a good start because of the work of John the Baptist, all right? Because of his announcements of the Christ coming, 
and him introducing Christ and Jesus showing up to be baptized by him gave Jesus a good start in his public ministry so he could be effective and so he could prove to the world that he is Messiah, the son of God, you know, the son of David and to prove to the world that he's the one and there's not one after him. And indeed, like John called him, Jesus is the lamb of God. He is God's lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And for whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins can be removed through faith. Yes, indeed. Not through animal sacrifice, not through ritual, not, not through religious rites, but through faith in the man Christ Jesus. Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. He died for our sins and he's risen again on the third day. That's how salvation comes. That's how we get cleansed from sin. That's how we get right standing with God through Jesus Christ. It's not through any of the religious stuff we do. Now we do religious things and we do sacraments and we do, you know, different rites and things. But salvation is only through, through Christ. Amen? Through Christ. And that Christ got a good start to his public ministry because of John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist stood where he stood and preached what he preached and gave what he gave and continued until he was unable to do it. That's for us as well, y'all. Listen. We have to do what we have to do. We have to do our part of ministry. We have to follow Christ. We have to obey the word. We have to continue. I know, I said before, even when people retire from an office, ministry continues because you still have to testify. You still have to worship. You still have to witness. You still have to pray and you still give counsel. I know of ministers who are, who are with, who, who retire, but they still work. <laughs> They, they retired, but they still work. Amen? And so that's the thing. So when John, John kept going until he could not, and we look at Paul, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, and different ones who've been in prison. And Paul has, in prison, was writing letters to the saints, was writing letters to, to Timothy and Titus and to different churches, right, to different congregations. In prison, worshiping and writing and, and still ministering, even witnessing to the people around them in prison, okay? And so that's the thing, saints. So we, we work until the, Jesus said, I must work the work of him while it's day. So if you're alive, it's day. It's daytime for you, and we have to continue the work, amen? We have to continue working. We have to continue ministry. We have to continue worshiping God and witnessing and sharing. Amen. Amen. So when we look at John the Baptist, we know that he's come a long way in a short time. In a very short time. When we go back and we recap and we talk about his his announce his announcement of his birth and his his parents who were elderly, his mother who was barren, who gave birth, and they were righteous in the commandments and ordinance of God. And the way he grew up, I'm sure he grew up, he was trained by his father and mother of these things. I know he heard about his Aunt Mary and, and Jesus, his cousin, who was just maybe about six months younger than he is. All right. He knew about these things. 
right? And he, he's, I'm sure he came up a different, we don't have his childhood recorded, but I'm sure he came up under discipline and instruction of his parents, okay? And he ministered when he, when he got to the age, and I'm not sure if he waited till he was 30. I'm not sure how long, how old he was. Um, Jesus waited till he was 30. I'm sure John was at least 25 before he started. He may have waited till he was 30 as well. But when he preached, he preached one message. Repentance, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if we be truthful, we only have one message too. That Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And he died for our sins. He was risen again on the third day. And whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the message of the church. So we want to thank you for your time. Thank you for your patience. Amen. Despite our little um, hiccup in the technology and the fact that because of the streets are slippery, we have to do this from home. You know, a, a man of God, Reverend Virgil Amos told us, he said, blessed are the flexible, but they should not be bent out of shape. <laughs> and we thank you for your flexibility and your patience with us today. God bless you. Thank you so much. We pray for your strength and health and your safety. And we pray that those who are hearers of the word and have not come to faith in Jesus Christ will come and give their heart to Jesus as simply as saying, I want to be saved, come into my life, Jesus. Amen. God bless you so much. I'm Pastor Faison from Living Water Church, and we thank you for this time. God bless you, and thank you. Thank you again. Amen. On behalf of our pastors, Theodore and Linda Faison, we would like to thank you for joining the Living Water Christian Center Church for our Sunday morning virtual service. Although the physical doors of our church may be closed, our ministry is committed to spreading the gospel message and staying connected with you as we shelter in place. To support our ministry with your tithes and offering, you can use PayPal at livingwaterccc, Cash App at Living H2O Church, or Zelle at 973-902-9933. If you need any assistance or would like to send any prayer requests, you can contact us at 973-902-9933 or livingwater374 at gmail.com. We are also available via direct message at any of our social media platforms. Follow us at Living Water H2O Church on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay updated on our virtual worship services, Sunday school classes, prayer meetings, and Bible studies. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Be blessed and stay safe.